0: Hello, everyone. Hello, world. How is everyone feeling? How is everyone doing? Specifically, Darren Chris, welcome back to Los Angeles. I'm
1: back from uh, Chicago. That was a fun old time. Um, Nice to be back in Los Angeles. There's a bit of a heat wave going on, I think. Is it a heat wave or is it just LA summer?
0: It is a heat wave. I just got I just got a bunch of uh ice cream that is diabetic friendly and I'm gonna bathe in it.
1: Ooh, what kind of ice cream is diabetic friendly? What does that entail?
0: It's basically it's they basically use um I mean it's it's a sugar substitute, so it's basically like Splenda. You know?
1: So Splenda doesn't peak stuff? You know,
0: it, it's just sweet. It de- There's still carbs in it. So that's the other thing is like just because it's sugar free doesn't okay, mean that so yeah, it's carb free. No but it's I
1: know there's always, there's something, always isn't something there. It's like if you're vegan, fried pasta is vegan, but it doesn't necessarily but mean it's, it's good not for you. It's not it. the
0: best thing for you. Yeah. So I basically, you know, I basically save up my diabetes points till like the end of the week, and I treat myself, and my treat is diabetic friendly ice cream. So I'm going to bathe in it. I'm going to literally take a dive.
1: Talk about a sweet treat, a diabetic safe sweet treat for the end of the week. We have a very sweet treat that is uh, good for diabetics and sugar addicts alike. This, very natural. This interview that we're about to have? Treat. Absolutely. Carly Ray Jepsen, ladies and gentlemen. This interview that we're about to have. I enjoyed this sweet treat very, very much. I mean, if I wasn't already, and I try not to speak hyperbolically. If I wasn't already like super into Carly Ray Jepsen already, i this this really sealed the deal on it, and I'm not afraid to say it. i uh, she's fantastic,
0: yeah, I love her. She's the best. She really is just like the coolest girl. We definitely, especially now after us all being on this podcast together, need to figure out a safe way to hang.
1: Oh, I'd love to, I would, I would be so happy to get to spend some time with her in person. I mean, she, it's fun when you, you know, you, with a lot of the artists that we've talked to, this has been consistent through all of our guests, you know, you have their, their art and their work that speaks for itself. And then you start seeing the person that's driving that ship. And then you understand why that shit has cut through or is sustainable or why it's special because there is an element of their own unique special sauce that you, that suddenly all the pieces come together. You go, oh, of course, like, like these, like these things just don't happen when people experience stuff like, Oh, how is this person doing well? Or why is this, you know, how, why is this taking off? You're like, it has so much to, and I say this all the time, so much to do with the artist, like the 80, whatever percent of what makes an artist work is shit that audiences right. do not see. It's this drive and all the stuff behind the scenes that takes up most of the time and most of the energy of what it is to create and sustain an artist's life. So um, that was very much uh, apparent in our conversation with Carly.
0: Let's talk to her.
1: Let's talk to her. Let's. let's, You guys can see. You can hear in the silence me just being (laughs) dazzled and so happy. All
0: right, let's go. That thing I do. Interview with Carly Ray Jepson. Carly Rae Jepsen.
1: Hey, Carly Rae Jepsen. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Hello, hello. You guys are buddies already, of course, as, yes. as per our podcast usually goes.
0: Yes, but theres it's either Darren is... Darren thinks that I don't know the person, and then it turns out I've known them for years.
1: Estee knows everybody. Carly, you know this surely by now, that Esty just is the common denominator between basically everybody.
0: She's a social butterfly, it seems like, right? Yeah, I am. she really is. I, I like people. I mean, sue me. I like I like having I like having fun conversations with fun people.
1: But there are some common denominators between all of us. Um, uh, Carly and I were just saying before you got here, Esty. We um, we both work with the amazing Wunderkind that is uh, C.J. Baron, who worked on a lot of my mm. music, and he was in the mu- he was in the video with you and me. The long haired, tall, yes. handsome fellow on the on the uh, on the. Oh, mood. he's
0: great. He's great. He is the best. Yeah,
1: very talented dude. Carly. Yeah, Ariel. Yes, Arielle?
0: Carly right. and I. Yes, so Ariel, we have some over. So Ariel Rekshide. Is
1: that how you say his last name? I've never been able to say it correctly.
0: Rekshide. As Rekshide. in like disrespect-shide. Wow. Ariel disrespect-shide. A, that's, a good,
1: that's a good mnemonic for it. He's one of my favorite producers ever. So that's very cool. I mean, he's, in, cool.
0: he's incredible. Him and Rostam Botmonglish who Carly is also friends with. I know so many great last names. In, like really amazing yeah. last names. Yeah. In the, Hi, I'm Carly Rae Jepsen. You know, <laughs> village. Yeah, our village is is full of really great producers. So there's that, and then Carly and I played um, a a roller skating charity together that could have been called the That Thing I Do Palooza because it was me. Carly Rae Jepsen and Maya Rudolph. Wow, it was all the hits. kind of an
2: amazing day. My parents That's were in time for day. that.
0: We I were all
2: ranking You guys were singing some like Christmas jams. It was, <laughs> why? It
1: was why and When was this for our listeners? Why? and When was this? This is an And how did? Uh, how This could was we
0: pre-COVID. Won? This was pre-COVID. Like how pre? Like right before, or like this was years ago? No, this was years ago. Now this must have been. I think this was 2018. Yeah. This was 20 this was December of 2018.
1: Wow, roller skating in December.
0: And yes, yeah, so our our good friend um Emma Stone has this um just likes to, you know, she throws a great charity party and she throws one every Christmas. And my sisters and I basically Emma was like would you ever want to play in the middle of a roller rink and I was like have you Have you been reading my diary? (laughs) Like, is the Pope Catholic? That is, that is literally my dream, and I told her—not even in confidence. I feel like this is like public knowledge now. But like, I based my bat mitzvah on the Sugar Ray video for every morning, which is in a roller rink.
1: Right. It might be in the same roller rink because it was probably a Los Angeles. Like, because I know there's like, there's like, yeah, there's that one. I've I've been at a couple parties. I think okay. it's the same one to think of. I don't know where it is. It's out there in the fucking wherever the hell.
0: So the the skate rink that they used was called Skateland.
1: Yes, Skateland. Land. That sounds. That rings a bell.
0: I this is like like the seedlings of the internet. I was my bat mitzvah was in 1999, and I told my mom, "Mom, I love you, but I want to have my bot mitzvah at the roller rink." That Sugar Ray shot his video. I don't know wow. how you are going to figure it out. They're wow, Sugar Ray, and to be like honestly, like my I didn't go up to the Bima. I didn't have like a typical. My Bat Mitzvah was basically just a party, and I like my family when we like my birthdays were basically like I would have like, you know, a couple friends and we would go to the movies. That was like my birthday every year, and then my thirteenth birthday, I was like, okay, I am going to have like a big party in bunny quotes. So we basically just had a bunch of people. I invited a bunch of people, and we just all went to Skateland. That was my bat mitzvah. I love and it. And then
1: years later, the part two, Carly Rae Jepsen and Emma Stone would be at your second bat mitzvah as right. you played your own. I
0: was like, this is actually what I wanted my bat mitzvah to be, was <laughs> yeah. Carly Veronica. Rae Jepsen singing Last Christmas, like the best version, And we and, and basically... Hiem was Carly Rae's backing band. Sweet, it was very much dream dream come true moment for sure. I, it I was mean, so like, there so many
1: cool things about that. I can't even like pin it's like, <laughs> roller skating. You badass chicks, Emma Stone.
0: Yes, it was. It was a it was a fundraiser. It was great. Everyone had fun. It was also like you were encouraged to dress seventies.
1: Of course, it's like a roller disco. Did you guys roller skate? Because roller skating oh, yeah. is very hard and it's scary. Yeah, it's, it's it's. Well, there were a couple people
0: that definitely like hadn't roller skated in a long time and may or may not have like twisted an ankle and or like busted uh, like a wrist or two.
1: Oh yeah, dude! The last time I went to Skateland was for, for Buddy's birthday. And Mia straight up sprained her ankle like within minutes, and I it's was like, dangerous. "This was sexy for two minutes." Yeah, it
0: was dangerous.
1: It's really scary,
0: but so fun. But when it's so, cool, so it's
1: fun. fucking really cool. It was and really I was fun. just saying a couple months ago to CJ, uh, Carly, I was saying how like roller skating, especially in like LA Southern California culture, has always been cool, and you always tie it with like seventies cool, sexy kind of like culture. And there's something about just skating that's just super dope. Like Daisy Dukes and skating is is cool. And uh, I was like, I have a feeling because I just I see it my algorithm. Like, I keep seeing different skating things popping up, and I'm like, I feel like skating is really, like, positioning itself to have a major comeback. And then Silk Sonic just released that song Skate Skate. last week, and I was like, there it is. There it is. That's the the final, the one, two, three punch. It's back. It's going to happen. It was always around, but I really feel like in the next year, we're going to see a lot of skating. I'm just putting it out there now.
0: I I mean yeah i think they're they're trying to capture the zeitgeist right yeah
1: it was never not cool i'm not saying it's like coming out of nowhere it's it's always been dope but i really feel like it's gonna have like an uptick i don't know yeah
0: there's a putting it out there. disco oasis and like palace verdes carly thoughts i do remember like
2: around the cd release party we were thinking of what to do for emotion and similarly i didn't have a bat mitzvah but they were like what would you like to do for this uh, celebration and i was like a listening party at a roller rink. So (gasps) we did exactly that. What we didn't factor in is exactly what you guys are both hinting at, which was all of the possible uh, injury that could take place. Right. Alcohol, music, celebrations, people on skates. Like I think there was blood and we were like, oh "Oh, man, (laughs) this is not the vision that I had. Like people are hurt. I mean, yeah, it was a total disaster. but yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, is going to be a lawsuit? Oh, man. But at, at the end of the day, what it really was, was a memorable night for all. I think. I'm
1: exactly. sure everyone that's had a, a great time.
0: <laughs> Couple bruises. <laughs> I think that's like a dream to be able to, to skate to emotion. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. To like skate. I mean, I, that record Carly, I don't even I feel like I told you when we did um when we did that gig that and I'm totally I'm totally outing my boyfriend, but emotion is his favorite record of all time. Oh wow. That's so sweet. I
1: put it at least in number 12. Okay. (laughs)
0: Oh thank you. (laughs) No, he that was like one of the reasons I was like, oh, he can stay. Oh, that's very, very sweet. That's cute. Yeah.
1: That is a good record
0: It's such a good record It's just so It's like the Like lyrically It's amazing Like sonically Sonically It's just so good And Yeah I, I remember Putting it on And he was like You like You know this record And I was like I, I honestly stared at him For like a good 10 seconds And I was like Excuse me <laughs>
1: It's <laughs> like of course I do While we're buttering Carly up I also enjoy uh, There's not a lot of artists Well I, that's not true I listen to I listen to albums I'm like one of the only guy Guys that I know That listens to albums Like full on And I always enjoy When a new Carly record comes out And getting Thank to listen you. to like The album As like a Thank whole Thank you
2: I'm a I'm a really old fashioned uh, lover of albums, even though we live in a singles world oh, f- nowadays. As if I couldn't love you more.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's
1: true. Oh, it's a thanks. tough. It's a it's a tough. Uh, it's a tough business, the album thing. But you two, both both of you specifically, are doing it quite well thank oh, you yeah.
0: or trying to the ladies music we, we're not gonna let it we don't want to let it die in terms of cd release
2: parties are you are you constantly every time that you put an album out are you like planning a big thing or do you like to make it weird and small and more interesting I've i've gotten weirder and smaller with every passing album or b-side celebration i think my last time the label called me for dedicated and they were like what would you like to do for album release week and i was like Free ice cream for everyone. <laughs>
0: like,
1: what? God and we damn, literally... I gotta go to one of these Carly Ray release parties. I got free ice cream or skating. It's like this is fucking amazing. It wasn't
2: gonna be a party. I just wanted to like make a deal with Jenny's and be like, Can everyone just have free ice cream today and I'll pay for it? <laughs> and they're like, That's not really a thing that we would do, but we Oh but part. it is. Thank oh you. yeah,
1: that's a great idea.
2: That's a like, idea. Who doesn't said, love like,
0: ice cream
1: is my question.
0: It's
2: like a, a toddler making promotional ideas. <laughs>
0: Ice yeah,
1: I mean, it works now. Works for kids, it works for me <laughs> I mean, Esty did a similar um, thing One of the last shows I got to go to before the pandemic Is when you guys were releasing the record And you guys were doing your little mini tour In like, great Jewish delis yeah. Around the country And I got to oh, go to, I forget so the name Yeah, it was so great I had a nice Reuben and a fucking uh, Three, like a uh, uh, It was just the three of you guys Three of you guys and uh, Tommy, Tommy That's,
2: That is so charming, I love that
0: it
1: was okay, really, good.
2: it was really fun. When we're speaking each other's language here. I get, I, get I mean,
0: it. a way to a person's heart is through its stomach. It's not just men. I think it's it's women too. I think it's it's all. It's men, all women, people. everyone under the you sun, like all people. We love. It's food. everything. You food. everything you like bagels, free ice
1: cream. <laughs> yeah.
0: Honestly, we. I mean, one of the shows we did was in a bagel shop. <laughs> of course,
1: it was. It was called <laughs> "Call
0: Your Mother Bagels" in Washington D.C.
1: That's a great idea,
0: but it's true i mean i when we I think that I think, like you, Carly, I think that we like to do things that maybe are a little bit off the beaten path
2: i mean that's the fun part of exactly I think if you're if you're at all into a creation of music, the only way that. You know uh, any sort of promotional thoughts can be fun i think is when you get to be creative around it when it gets to become your baby and you're just as able to look at it almost like a song how do we do this fun and make this sort of yes. feel more well, that's part also of of a privilege
1: uh, it's a privilege that you guys have been able to amass as well it's because you know when you're you're lucky enough to have a fan base that's there for you that's already down right so once you have that you can start landing just left of center in a way that people who are just coming out of the gate maybe don't have license to do because they have to kind of, you know, they're a little more constrained with, Oh, I really should do X, Y, or Z. But what's so cool about where you guys are at is that you can take these kind of bigger swings. Like you can play at a fucking Jewish deli in in New York. You can do a free ice cream thing. Like, because your fans and people who love you are like, sure. Fuck. Yeah. That sounds great. Awesome. (laughs) And that's, uh, that's what's so exciting about when you have a little bit of wind under your sails as an artist is you start to get to take, little more nutty swings that are like closer to where your heart is and people can go, okay, that's so nice that you guys can kind of do that.
2: I mean, it's good. And it's also, it also can like bite you in the ass. I definitely feel like through the years of, of working with my team, they've just indulged more and more of my crazy ideas, almost to the fact where I sometimes am like, someone needs to stop me and a good example of <laughs> okay. that, a good example of that it's a
1: very evolved way of, of thinking <laughs> it's good that you have that perspective because most people be like yes more of my decisions please
2: no 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 I saw it with like almost immediate hindsight uh, like almost the day after shooting but I don't know how you feel about your music videos but every music video that I've ever been uh, ready to pitch before I'd send it out to the directors to see kind of what treatments get back uh-huh. I always write my own I always do and it's never as good it's never as good as what comes in to me. And so we never swing for it. But um, I think I was getting a little tired of the, the nauseam of like boy meets girl, all this kind of stuff. And I had a really big love song to promote, uh, which was Now That I Found You. And I, I, they caught me in a weird mood. We had the call to set up. And I was like, this time, guys, I got it. And it should be like me obsessed with my cat, And they were like, "Uh aha! And with this idea, because I was so passionate about it. So, so long we were having like Skype like group meetings where I was just like so like well what doing if, it. what if we get like high off the catnip and like serious <laughs> conversations where no one was really checking to be like is this a little indulgent do we think maybe maybe it should be like a simpler treatment but no up until the day we did the whole thing I look back at that video and I'm like that's an example of no one being like no
1: <laughs> so you did make this video forgive my ignorance that video is you and the cat
2: the video exists also there's a cat Um poor poor Shrampton the cat, who was uh, a famous on Instagram for sitting like a human, a very kind of like adorable, overweight cat. Yes. And so we reached out to him on Instagram. We're like, would your cat be open to being in this music video? And the woman replied back with, um, yes, you're going to have to get in touch with Shrampton's agent. Oh, wow. (laughs) To be Shrampton's agent. My favorite part of the whole day was... It was the, um, what's it called? Uh, you know how everyone has like their food areas. So we had strength like, he had like all his little catnips and treats. His and, little yeah, special he had crafty, his little craft table. Yeah,
1: his rider. The whole day
2: was so absurd. I remember having friends close to me just being like, how is this, w- what you're doing right now? And I'm like, I don't know either.
1: <laughs> I want to know what other clients that agent has. Like just like a like bunch running of running the shop on. Yeah. yeah, like Insta-famous pets. Like, what a, what a... What a job. What a life. What a,
2: what a job. Yeah, what a
1: job. What a calling.
2: All.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, good for good for that person and for the cat. Yes. And you made the video. So I, I'm sure it's great. I got to check this video out. Oh, I was, I was, I was I waiting was, for you to say somebody stepped in attention. and said it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. But, I, <laughs> but now my interest has peaked.
0: Oh. I missed out. Oh, yeah. No, I feel you.
1: Carly, I have to... I have to talk about something that is... Uh, there's, a, there's two things that I really want to get into, uh, and so we tend to be pretty tangential on the show, so I'm putting them out there now in case we lose our way. But one thing that always happens with Esty's pals uh, when we're on the show is that we always have this connectivity through Los Angeles. I'm not from Los Angeles, and I'm not from that kind of amazing sort of... Uh, thing. I just thing Folks from the Valley, it's a cool little connected system of just... Esty's known a lot of folks for a while... Whereas you, my dear, are from the Great Land of Canada, And I feel like the Torontonian uh Canada mafia is its own kind of thing. And uh there's so many artists out of Canada that I love that we can talk about. And then I'm also I also want to talk about your background in musical theater. I'm putting those on the board now. Love it. But we're gonna start with Canada. So Let's talk about, for a second, you, you know, there's this weird divide. We speak the same goddamn language. We share the same continent. But for some fucking reason, there is sometimes the separation between Canadian artistry and American artistry. And then, you know, sometimes, and actually a lot of the times when Canadian artists become so massive, it's like people don't even realize they're from Canada. And this always blows my mind when I go to, um, anytime the Junos roll around or the MMVAs, These are massive, massive, massive productions, huge deals in Canada. If I went to most American on the street, people who love music, like culture vultures, I would be like, hey, man, do you want to go to the MMVAs this weekend? And they'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? What is that? And it blows my mind because it's like I go there. Marianne's Trench is like, you know, Jesus and then if i go to somebody you know in los angeles they would have no idea who that is and i'm just it blows my mind so i guess this is a comment and a question but um, do you feel like a Canadian artist?
2: Of course, yeah. I mean, I think it's similarly all, like, all over the world. There's a, a like, you kind of can, you can break out in your country and then you can kind of break out globally. Exactly. And right. I always looked at it as, like, a two-prong goal. One was to kind of gain traction at radio within Canada. And because of, like, CanCon and other things, there were some, like, advantages to being Canadian for the Canadian content sort of avenue of getting some radio play. That was actually, like, a really helpful thing at the beginning for me when I just had like PD deals and things like that. But the dream was always like long term would be amazing to kind of tap into beyond Canada. So I'm actually originally a BC girl, not Toronto. So I'm from. Uh, Excuse me.
1: Sorry. No, I'm actually no, no. feeling, yeah, you're from the other side. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But I think it's similar. Like if I go to Japan or if I go to China, it's like they have their extremely famous artists that you might not necessarily know. And there's a real difference, I think, between breaking out within your country and breaking out beyond that. But uh, at the core, like, do I feel very Canadian, very proud of like that? yes
1: yes absolutely that's uh, that makes me happy because there are so many artists like you know it's like Dra- drake's one of the biggest artists in the world and he's like deeply canadian <laughs> that just cracks me up i don't know why yeah um, and there's oh my so God. many artists some of like my that.
0: favorite artists are from canada
1: there's too long a list well,
0: there's carly <laughs> there's drake there's claire aka grimes it was very
2: fun for me actually recently i got to mix together like a podcast um, sorry sorry not podcast like a a playlist of um just some of my favorite canadian artists especially like uh, women that i loved in music and i was just like i I was for days just rocking into my house like really like deep diving into like some Sarah McLaughlin and, like, Celine Dion and, like, the, T- the Tegan and Sarahs of the world, and then, like, going beyond that Atlantis. to Joni Mitchell. Yeah, I mean, the list goes on and on, and it made me very, very, very proud. It was kind of cool to kind of dig into. Um, I was singing, that's the Wagon it, it is. is for, like, Two weeks to my boyfriend's annoyance, just over and over again. Maybe one I of mean, the great top songs
1: serious, heavy, heavy, heavy hitters from up there, man. Like I could summon the list, but I just don't want to like derail the conversation on talking about how many incredible Canadian artists there are. It's insane. Especially women.
0: I was having this conversation with Adam like I kid you not, like three days ago, where we were in the car and um it's all coming back to me came on to the radio and I had to pull over. <laughs> I literally was like, I, I was driving. I was like, I have to devote my attention to this. And I was like, do you understand the artistry of Celine Dion? Like, do you, I, I, I sat there and I was, I, I and it, cause it's so funny. Cause when that, when that record came out, I think I was probably, I was maybe like 11 or 12, maybe younger than that. But I remember thinking, like, this is so cheesy. <laughs> like, I was just like, this is not my cuppa. And now, be, you know, being in my 30s and I listen to these songs and, you know, and even like my heart will go on. Like, I... And what's the other one? Um, Well, that's the way it is. There are
1: so many. The power of love. The power um, of love. Jesus. I mean...
0: It's Diane Warren, right? Like, her and Diane Warren wrote these... It's a lot.
1: I was going to say the late, great Jim Steinman, who just passed away earlier this year. Jim Steinman wrote um, all the meatloaf hits. He wrote Total Eclipse of the Heart. He wrote It's All Coming Back to Me. He wrote fucking Holding Out for a Hero. I mean, that guy was like... Theater rock. Well, yeah,
0: that like feels epic. like that's that's musical theater to me, right? Like yes. those David songs Foster are the David Foster. Fos- like a big foster's part. in on
1: that whole thing. Yeah. But like those yes. theatrical rock things. That was Jim's sort of like pocket. But yes, that's Diane and all those. Other- I mean, we're talking about like the fucking Mount Rushmore of like heavy hitter songwriters for like the greatest vocalists ever. I
0: mean,
2: I think it speaks to kind of just my inner nerdiness from the get go, but I never had a real kind of cool factor on what was cool and what wasn't. I just knew what I liked from the get-go. And so my teenage years, like, in high school, I had like such an array of, speaking of musical theater, of like Evita next to Celindion, next to Rob Stewart, next to the Spice Girls, and it was such an eclectic mix, and I think if there was one theme, looking back on it now, of what it was, I was just in love with any really strong pop song, wherever that home was, whatever that production looked like, when the hook grabs you, when the lyrics had some wit to it, when there was this heart-wrenching longing that I would like... Listened to before and i can like i hadn't even been in love at this point but i could imagine what all those feelings were like i think that's what really started connecting me to what it was to have storytelling take you to this place of escapism that for me was so vital during those years and i think such like a big part of why i wanted to become a songwriter totally
1: well let's get into that because that's i mean it's hard we'll have to break out of why we love celine dion but uh this is all, it's going to be worth it because we're going to get into It's because life. That's the way it is. that's, that's the, the way it way is.
2: Because <laughs> I'm your lady,
1: you're my man. Uh, <laughs> so you, so you were doing, you were doing musical theater and so we you know the three of us all have theatrical backgrounds but at some point we went into playing music I still do a bit of theater as do you I know Carly as does estine in kind of her own way as a performer uh, on as you know sing with her sisters but also in just like doing little acting things that's you know like we all kind of hold on to the thing that kind of fired us off in the beginning which was theater and so what's interesting to me is what kind of pivots you to because most people who maybe don't know your career would be like, oh, of course, like she's in pop music, she's a singer songwriter. But when you're a kid loving theater and studying theater, and I believe you went to school for theater as well, you know, was this was being an quote artist kind of part of the plan? Or was it the like when was that shift? Because, you know, at one point I know when you're like a teenager and you're doing shows at school and stuff, it's like, okay, this is what I'm doing. Like the idea of like being in a studio and writing songs and like having a hit single is like maybe somewhere like maybe, but it's like, no, I'm gonna be an actress. So I'm kind of curious when when did that shift happen? Is the question I always ask on the show for people that kind of break out of one thing and go to another.
2: Well, when um I grew up in like Mission BC, which is quite a small town, um about an hour outside of Vancouver. So the the Uh, kind of options for how to perform were a little limited. But I think I I came out of the womb sort of with a real connection to music. I was lucky to kind of be in a family unit that all were really encouraging from a young age. This like indulgent little seven-year-old who was like really hammy and wanted to sing all the time. And and so I think my parents um, kind of introduced me to the world of performing by just seeing that they had a kid who was like a lot and just being like, all right, there's like a there's like a talent show you could do. So I think my first performance performance, I was like seven years old on this like little like mission talent show that we had going on. And um what was thrilling to me about the first time of being on stage was um, I felt really at home. I felt, and I could really, for the first time, see how nervous my father, who was accompanying me on the guitar, was. And I think Aww. it was the first time where I, I, I was even happy enough to be like, "Dad, get out of the shadow!" Like it was like, "Come <laughs> into the light!" Like this is great. What was the show?
1: What Was this like a what was the was talent show? It was a, it what,
2: was a local was talent show? show. I'm sorry,
1: local talent show. But like, I meant like, what was the song?
2: I sang "Eternal Flame" by the Bangles. Stop. And cool. And I, I, I didn't really know what it was. I thought uneternal flame was all one word, so I, like, really milked that word. But um, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> so that that experience cute. was it. And I won, probably because I was small. So you're just like, oh, Cute factor. Cute edge. She's trying. And they gave me $400, which for a seven-year-old is, like, <gasps> did I oh, win? Wow. like a million dollars. Yeah, water. you can buy anything. Yeah. Oh, I bought a Barbie mansion. I was like, I know what I mean. Oh, that's my girl. Barbie McDonald's, let's go. That
0: is my girl.
2: And, um, but it was, I think after that, um... I I grew up with four parents, like uh,
0: separated and divorced,
2: but all really active and really supportive. I I actually look back at it and I'm kind of like, how? So whether it was dance class or that like from like ballet to piano lessons to whatever, they were really nurturing in that way. All of them were kind of teachers. So they were looking for like, how do we help fuel this thing that she loves to do? Um, And I think it just naturally happened that the thing that our community had or one of the high schools had was a a theater. So they were putting on multiple theater productions. So my my introduction to musicals, I think, was more just like a pure desire to have more of that natural high of what it was to be on stage and to kind of like bring people into a world with you. Um, And so I I think I did a couple like little musicals, but my first like starring role was Annie. So I did Annie. (gasps) That's big.
1: That's big, man. That's going to. That sets you off on quite a path, you know.
2: And then, um, and then, our we did we did the Whiz, not the Wizard of Oz. We did the Whiz, which was kind of you know we a bunch of kids trying to ease on down the road, but we tried our best. Okay, with the best uh, of intentions,
1: I'm sure. Okay. I don't know oh, what to say about
2: that. And then uh, we did Greece, where I got to be uh, Sandy, and it was my first time ever stuffing my bra and wearing high heels, and I think like trying out this this uh, idea of what it is to be like sexy quote-unquote like big quote-unquote because i could not walk in heels to save my life and they were all just like i said really high school productions but there was um two teachers at the school that i went to who like deserve credit like david fryer and beverly holmes who were very much like that mr holland's opus type of supportive teacher and they were the ones (laughs) truly truly like they deserve awards and I'm still in touch with Beverly um, to this day. Uh, dude, unfortunately, has passed away a few years ago. But if I could, like, say beyond my parents, people who have been, like, my, like, ringleaders for just, like, encouraging this beyond a dream and more into, like, a potential career, it was those two people. And actually, it was Beverly Holmes who um, drove me to my Canadian Idol audition and also what? encouraged... Yeah. And she Amazing. also encouraged um, the... The college that i went to which sounds very similar to a musical a theater type sc- college that you went to it was called the canadian college of performing arts and i remember failing like i had duped everybody by being like i found a school where we learn tap dancing and like
1: yeah we <laughs> don't study math and, like, math and like stage fighting
2: and and all this silly th- stuff and it was actually just um yeah it was like my school of dreams i got to i got to go in and and play but in in terms of answering your question of when did i start to like break were you out writing just- songs
1: this whole time like you know was this something that you even thought of doing like because i feel like at that point especially if you're going to like a prestigious like college where I've, i i'm pretty sure was was pretty um what's the word i'm looking for it was uh very selective it was a small program you know i feel like that would put in your brain like okay this is what I'm doing. I'm not gonna like do anything else. Deviate. But yeah. Yeah.
2: I don't know that I had a vision very early on about what exactly being a singer meant. But I knew that I loved to sing and I knew I loved being on stage. Um, but I didn't exactly have um I had like real confidence that something was gonna happen, which is like probably only come from naivety of childhood and like being around really supportive people. I think after college, my parents were like, "Uh uh-oh, this Dream has gone on too long. What do we do with yeah. this? Like, I yeah, know the um, feeling, yeah.
1: It does take a degree of madness and naivete to kind of go through it's the, whole, the audacity honestly, you know, is, blind face, if you will. Bit, exactly.
2: But I think there were a couple of factors that helped uh, spark the idea of songwriting early on. And one of those, I think, is uh, my father. Actually, he was a songwriter in his own right, even though he's a principal oh, at school, huge. he was like constantly writing songs and, um. Before bed every night, when I would go uh, stay at his house because that's half and half, instead of reading us books as kids, he would say, "Okay, I'll play you three songs before bed." So we could pick whether oh. it was James Taylor or one of his own, and I would listen to these songs and stories and just sort of hear him his song mixed in with like. A Van Morrison song playing next, and I just thought that's so cool that my dad wrote this. Like, how did how did he do that? So, I think the first ever song that I wrote was quite young. I think around age nine, and it was a protest song called "They're Cutting Down the Big Trees."
0: So, oh, <laughs> getting to oh the big God. issues, Carly.
1: <laughs> we cannot have them cut down those big trees.
0: Oh my God! I'm, I'm... little ones you can
1: take, big ones no. I'm
0: swooning so hard right now. That is so so cute.
2: So that was my first attempt at like, really, I mean, I wasn't in love. I didn't, I was growing up in very much. Do you
1: remember how the song goes?
2: (laughs) Yes, but I don't know that. I mean, the hook is like, they're cutting down the big trees. I heard it just today. It won't be much longer now. And I wonder why it has to be this way. Carly, honestly.
1: Deep. Deep. (laughs) Nine year old (laughs) wisdom. Not to be discounted.
2: I I I uh, yeah. See you I at the very, Like, Thank you, thank you. And then I think beyond that, I there was always guitars cooking around. So around the time that I had my first ever um like kind of crush in high school, I was like a late bloomer in terms of all of that. But I had I I had eyes on this one boy and I had written him a letter that I, I didn't plan to give to him, but when I read it back to myself, it had a definite um cadence to it and almost like melody in my head that i wanted to work out and then i i didn't know if it was a poem i don't even think i decided to write a song it happened quite organically and then i picked up my dad's guitar and though i didn't know the chords i was like here's like w on the fourth fret and he's like that's that's a d that's not actually yeah i think you're trying Aww, to play w. and so w on
1: the
2: fourth yeah w. and so he was like showing me just basically how to put together this like song that I was I had like found things that worked but he showed me improvements basically and that kind of was I had been playing piano for like five years but as soon as I got a guitar I was like oh this is so much easier you learn Elvis Presley like Presley chords and you can like you're off to the races you can kind of just sing over top of all of it so that was um that was exciting. And then I, I guess when the transition really happened for me was at this college that I went to because it was everything that I thought I wanted in terms of like hamminess. Like I could do like stage fighting and I could enjoy like I don't know this world, but I could sort of see that um, as much as it was really fun to take on these characters and you know, learn a Shakespeare sonnet and try to like, you know, perform it for the for the class. What was really exciting me was after school going home and working more at this new thing i had found which was writing and emoting for myself and kind of working out all my own like you know 17 year old feelings that were stirring up in me in that point and um i remember thinking at the end of the year they had a, a second year program where only 15 people got accepted seven boys and seven girls and i really wanted to get into the program and 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 i did but my feeling in my gut and my tummy was one of a little bit of disappointment which was Shocking to recognize because I really believed this was what I wanted, but when I saw another year laid out for myself of more education in this field, I felt like I was wasting time on this on this other you know very young person's game which was in my mind at the time like yeah you know the the pop world of like going after or the folk world or the combination of those two worlds which really excited me the most of like i need to go and live my bohemian life in vancouver make some demos and start to see if i can knock on some label doors so to the terror of my teacher parents who are only looking for security and a plan for their child. I think this was the the rebellious moment of my life of like taking my acoustic guitar, moving out from home, living in like I don't know, one bedroom with a girlfriend where I think I paid $400 to like sleep on her pull out couch that I had to like remake every day and taking every minimum wage job in the book, whether it was like bartending, coffee barista, pastry chef assistant, while I actively uh, worked at making the money to record my first, my first Canadian album.
1: And this was when, uh, can, I, can I ask how old you were? This was after college. Or did you leave college?
2: Um, so I finished the first year and I didn't attend the second year. So I was probably, um, I was, Young for going to college, so I think I was eighteen when I moved to Vancouver. Wow,
1: good for you! So it sounds like it was really like a calling, like you really there wasn't like someone that said, "All right, kid, you're up." It was like you really needed to do this thing, which is a really admirable because that Thank takes a you. lot of moxie, man. It
0: does.
2: Well, there were some, there were some moments. I remember, yeah, there was like it was definitely. It's so funny because I don't think. um I, I, I clocked back at that time of my life and it was such a happy time of my life I was I was performing at all these like open mics, I was even hosting this night that we did at the coffee shop I worked at and there was this place called the Anza Club where it was a beautiful place to grow as a songwriter because every Thursday night you had all your songwriter friends and you would all perform whatever song you had literally written that week and then there, you know, there was such a brave offering for all of us to do and there was such a safe space to kind of be like I love That last one, or hey, have you thought about this? And then you'd have like different saxophone players come in and try things, and it was really beneficial for just like getting to play and like write and and think about.
1: It's such a golden time of your life too, like your late teens, early twenties, where you're just close enough to the like adolescence, like the unfettered creativity of adolescence, but having for the first time in your life, like adult agency and like being able to think and process those feelings in a way with other people that are doing it. And it's also like unbridled. Like you don't have like the sense of like adult experiences being like, well, I can't, I can't say that you can just do whatever the fuck and it just comes out of you in this really beautiful way, which is why a lot of our favorite artists like incubate the shit in that kind of late teens, early twenties period. It's so fun to hear from like artists at that time you know like what a cool it was also
2: really like my first taste of freedom and all the responsibilities that come with that too so i i would say when i look at it now i realize how little i knew about what it was to like pay a phone bill or like my parents were like if you're doing this like go for it but i think in the back of their mind they were like she'll be home in four months and then we'll talk about how she'll become like a music teacher what they didn't expect was that i i loved it i loved i loved the fact that like you're kind of you know, busking in the street for like a hydro bill at one point. That was awkward, actually, because my father's secretary ran by and was like, is everything okay? And I'm like, it's fine, Nancy. <laughs> Don't kill dad. Like, we're good. Yeah. And like, there's moments with my girlfriend, Shay, I can remember, you know, you kind of like, we're living a little on the edge of poverty where you're working at that, you know, coffee shop. And you're like, is this a sample muffin? Because I'm really hungry and like, need to eat this muffin. Uh, you know, so I do feel like it was a good test because in that time, I think I had a real uh, question kind of circling the back of my head, which was, am I willing to make a run at this even if it doesn't work? Because is there happiness in this? Like, will this be because happiness to me is success, like, and the, the undeniable answer was like a resounding yes, if it works great. And if it doesn't work, I think I'm good with spending my whole life trying because even if i'm sleeping on a pullout couch and stealing the occasional like roll of toilet paper ooh, yep. or you know yep. spare muffin from the coffee shop you know he knew but anyways i knew that i was really like in my element and i was getting to chase something that um i wasn't ready to let go of so uh, i do think it was like a crucial like all right there is no plan b it's this or nothing
1: that is so i inspiring. love that to hear i was like trying not to interrupt you because i'm like that that's that's the sound bite that i'm using for the ad of of this episode (laughs) because that is the big question at some point you're like what is it about this that that i'm chasing what is you know we're talking about that thing i do you know what is the thing between the musical theater between getting to write between getting performed what is the thing about all of that that really does give that happiness to you is it Oh, I'm not going to even lead the witness. What what do, you, what do you think it is that is what drives all the things that you're doing now within music? What is the seed of that happiness?
2: I mean, I've always thought a little bit like there's some things I knew about myself that made me feel a little odd. And one of them was the... the I can remember actually quite clearly in high school looking at my agenda. You know, they gave you those agendas and you kind of could see what you were going to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And it gave me not anxiety, but actually like a real sense of depression to look at this and to know where I was going to be every single day without any surprises to it. And to know that next day I would be at this class. And I felt like all the surprise and the kind of like joie de vivre of life was like drained out of me looking at how regimented it was. And in that moment, there was an epiphany of like, I don't think I can do a nine to five job in my life. Like, I don't think... So there was a real understanding of like my personality being a little strange in this one regard because I know people, my sister's the opposite. She loves a plan. Like she came over here this last week and it's like every hour was sort of planned out and that makes her feel safe and it makes me feel kind of like I'm choking. So, um, I, I was really excited about finding a job that had some chaos and adventure to it and a, a couple question marks didn't scare me. They really excited me. And then I think. Um, I really fell in love with songwriting, and not just the part where I got to emote how I was feeling. But what the real magic was to me is when you were in that loud pub and everyone was talking, and my friend would call it the "Could you hear the ice melt?" moment. And if you could get them to shut up enough that someone's whiskey, you could hear the ice crack for a quick second. A then
1: a good you- line.
2: Then you so kinda good. you kinda knew you had the room. And it was about that connection of like, am I saying something that you felt too or that you could imagine feeling? And then to me, that was like that's what being human is about. It's that space between you and me and how we we close the gap on that. And I just I don't know. I was ready for the ride of it. And and so I think all those signs pointed to just like, yes, this is gonna be fun. It might be scary, it might be like. It might, but I won't have any regrets.
0: Right. I 100% agree with you. I think there is something about almost that roller coaster of when you're first starting out that makes things, everything exciting, right? Like, I remember similarly when my sisters and I were, you know, we started our band in 2007 and we were playing to two people. But when we look, I mean, when we look back on it, it was like the most fun time of our lives because we were doing what we loved and what we had always talked about being able to do exactly and wanting to do. And, but we were doing it and even though it wasn't, we were just able to. And I think also, I think my sisters and I just love performing. I think a lot like you, Carly, a lot like you, Darren. I think we're all, we all thrive on the, on, you know, the energy of an audience. And even if it was two people, I think that was the the other thing that, you know, me and Deanna Alana always talk about having opener mentality, which is kind of like the mentality of like, oh, no one is here to see me. However, I am going to force them to like me. I'm going to play so hard. I love that. And perform like not even to 100%. If there was anything, if if 110% existed, that's what we did. I love that, and even when we're head- when we started headlining, it was the same exact thing. We just kept that mentality, but I think that, the, like in the, I remember being at South by Southwest in two thousand twelve, and you know, my sisters and I, we had we weren't even we didn't even get into South by Southwest, right. So we didn't get accepted.
2: Boo!
0: They have so many regrets. <laughs> I know. So, I mean, we were like, not, yeah, you know. But year. again, but talk about like the roller coaster, the hills and the valleys. That was definitely a valley. But we were like, okay, well, we're going to we're just going to go anyway. We're just going to go. We're going to open for our friends. We had like five or six friends that actually had showcases. So we just hopped on. We were like, can we open for you? Again, opener mentality. Like, can we just be the person that plays at 4 p.m. on a Tuesday at South by for four people? And then I remember as the shows went on and the days went on, a huge milestone for us was getting 10,000 followers on Facebook. Hell
1: yeah. That dates it. That's a lot of people.
0: That's a lot of people. And I remember my sisters and I crying and holding each other. I think it was also my birthday. (laughs) So it was like this. And and I just remember being like, like my life shall never get better than this. Like this is like, it finally felt like the culmination of like all the hard work and the writing of the song and the producing of the songs and the traveling to Texas and never really playing outside of Los Angeles. And we like, and I think that there's something to be said about, really like holding that part, I think, of 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 your journey and you, you know, the way that you look like the way I look back on it, I was like, again, like you said, like the happiest maybe I've ever been. Because every every little step feels like this monumental leap. I'm
2: connecting so much to you because I think
0: I think when you look at your own life story,
2: only sometimes you can see it. And I think that what we bond on, I feel like a lot of people in America might just know, call me maybe, but the incremental successes that happen before that, the little wins, the 10,000, which yes. is big oh, at the time. It takes it's a like lifetime
1: term- to make an overnight success. You yeah. Know? It takes a whole exactly. story.
2: I totally. mean, for me, I can remember, uh, we we like they said, there was a Canadian content sort of rule where there was, a, I forget what percentage exactly, but there had to be some radio content that was strictly by Canadians, which was a bit of an in. So I remember um, before Homey, maybe I, I did like a, a cover, I think I did a... I, I'm also referencing all the things. I like, don't ever want anyone to dig up on this podcast. I don't know why I'm doing that. Like, I know. I'm like check writing
1: these all down now. You know. Siri
0: record. Siri record.
2: I'm so sorry. Ignore everything i just said. Shit. Um, no, but, uh, and then I, because of that, I, 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 had this P&D deal. So I had a couple other songs. I think one was like Bucket and Tug of War. That you say P&D
1: D- deal, I'm sorry. That's, I'm, I'm assuming that's. Pub, Published, what is that?
2: So it's just a distribution deal. So I basically Publishing owned the rights, uh, yeah, to my album, as in like I, all the royalties and all that kind of Smart. stuff. I was, and was like getting like six bucks an album back then. I like really knew things before I went and signed all the deals. With amazing. All the but, that yeah. is great. No, yeah, it was amazing. It was great. Woo! But at the time, for me, because it was, it was a, a fairly great deal in my favor, uh, the Canadian content thing, I just remember the day, like I came home and I was like, I think I quit my waitressing job today. Like, I think I officially am making money off of music. I felt like if this is as far as it goes, like, I'm so happy. And I think if you can, you know, and it sounds like that's the moment that you've shared with your sisters of like, if we did this, on our own, when no one else was real believers or when we believed more in ourselves than anybody else, like that is an achievement in itself. And I, I do remember anything that beyond that, that happened was going to be bonus. And I've really looked at everything that's happened with like such gratitude versus expectation beyond that moment. Same. I,
1: I totally with you guys. I had a very similar moment, you know, out of college where uh, there's a great line you guys reminded me of that when I saw, I saw the, the Bruce Springsteen thing he did on Broadway and he said something yes. that really hit hit me. I think any young and not even artists, but just that time in your life where you embark on the adventure, you go on the hero's journey on your own. And he said, there's nothing like the thrill of departure. And I was like, Mm. yeah, I I felt that in my bones of like the proverbial in the car on the freeway. Like, here we go. Dreams come hell or high water. It's you and me, baby. And like that, I mean, it gives me goosebumps thinking about it, like you going on the couch being like, I'm going to write songs like you and your sisters like, fuck it, we're going to fucking stop. South by like that, there is such a a lightning in a bottle magical feeling that you that is something that I have to say that that I do miss in a way. I mean, it 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 comes in new ways as we get older. There are new adventures to be had. I'm not saying it's over by any means, but there's something to be said of that period of time where everything is new and the thrill of the newness and um, getting to finally get that hand around that first rung is. Is something that's so exciting that sometimes when I, at you know, when we're on the, not in the peaks or when you're in the lower valleys or like, I feel like I'm kind of just like managing, like I'm, I'm trying to keep the plate spinning or I'm trying to like administrate the empire to keep it going as opposed to that first thrill of like, well, I'll show them like, I'm gonna like the, the thrill of like getting the audience to that, that glad, like you said, Carly, a beautiful line. I love that. Kudos to your pal. Of the glass, of the ice melting in the glass, like the I'm gonna show these motherfuckers yep. feeling is like uh, uh uh it's like a fucking firewater, you know, to like really try and prove y- yourself and show your stripes is such a, a magical thing. I- I'm really just echoing what you guys were saying, saying that I too felt that once. Like yeah, I, was I know in a two be- a two bedroom apartment with six guys in Hollywood, and like that was one of the happiest times of. Like my my life, like it was so fun, just like making shit. And then once we had a bit of success, my version of your thing, Carly, with the Cat Stevens things, was I had like this YouTube musical that took off, and like that Amazing. was something that changed my life. And I was like, "This is it, guys! Anything from here is like a bonus," you know. <laughs> right. So I I feel you. Like we've all been lucky to have other successes beyond that that people might know us for, but those were the moments. I totally feel you. Like it's like we we did it.
2: I love know? that. I I think that. As we're having this conversation, a funny memory is coming to me that is like slightly embarrassing, but I don't know why it just popped back into my head. It's been gone for years. But I'm, I'm remembering my sister and I walked around. I, I guess my point is, is beyond just the music thing. Did you guys also have fun in the pushing of the project, which would be called, quote unquote, like the business side or the strategy of of that? Um, because I had a great time with that and i didn't expect i would because i found the word business was intimidating to me but when you realize like the rule is like you can get that the 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 music business books and you can read them all but it's like the rules are there are no rules that's basically all you need to know because it all depends on who you're negotiating with and what that looks like but i can remember the beginning figuring out like little merch situations my sister and i going around town with these homemade posters that we had made that we tried to put up everywhere With what was that like water and flour combination? But we got the yes. combination wrong, so it just looked like someone had vomited over every <laughs> single one wet, of my posters wet all over on the town. Walk. And like to me, I'm like these are the moments that I like absolutely cherish now. Looking back on it, I'm like that is hilarious, and and I, I'm glad that that that's something I got to experience because it does it makes you realize. And I've had I've had younger like. uh you know, this buddy artist asked me, like, what do you think it takes to be a train artist? And I'm like, well, do you like camping? Because yeah. you have to be ready <laughs> to, like, shower oh, yeah. in a stadium. Oh, yeah. It's going to get really ugly. It has its
1: yeah. kind
0: of glamorous lucky.
2: moments. But, like, We
1: talk about this all oh, the time, Carly. Yeah, we talk about yeah. how Esty and I love touring and how it's not for everybody. I love touring everybody. more than
0: anything. <laughs> Not for the faint of heart. Like, you have to really love taking a baby wipe shower. That is your shower. Yeah, Yeah. it's not. You take baby wipes. The underbelly of it
2: is, like, you cannot be precious or on any high horses because it you're going to go from a nice hotel to, you know, the diviest, scariest, skittiest place in the world. And the best way to handle both those things is, like,
0: be like the water. Go with the flow. (laughs) Like,
2: get ready for yeah, Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Be like water. No, but I... I remember, speaking of like what it takes, you also have to be like resourceful. You have to be yeah, shrewd. a little a little scrappy. Well, you guys going to open for your friends at that festival is a perfect
2: example of what I'm talking well, about. Well, I mean is- but on, I mean that right, so that
0: same that same uh in bunny quotes tour, us getting to South by, we didn't have any money. I was in college, I was at UCLA, Danielle was had just gotten off the road with Julian Casablancas. So she was a touring musician and Alana had just graduated from high school. And I think Alana was working at like crossroads trading company selling the schmatas. Amazing. So we didn't have any money. So I was at UCLA and I was the head of, um, I was one of the heads of the club at UCLA that books all the bands.
2: Okay. Okay.
0: So I like, I booked the black lips. I booked, um, Best Coast. This was like back in like 2010 or 11, and so we needed money for a van to drive to South by. It was expensive. It was like we we had to rent a van to for like a week and a half, and it was a lot of money. It's money we didn't have, so I hired Hyam to play UCLA and basically used UCLA as my piggy bank. Purpose. Perfect. And I, I basically scammed UCLA into, and convinced them to pay Haim a lot of money. Amazing. So that we could afford the van to take us to and from South By.
2: But when you say scrappiness to me, that's like, that's some like, I don't know. I feel like Dolly Parton would be proud of that move. Like, you know yeah, what I mean? You're like shrewd. that's you're just being like... clever, <laughs>
1: you're resourceful, shrewd, totally. clever. It's, you know, you're not like being an asshole. You're, no. you're being an artist is tricky. You got to be a little conniving. You got to got to figure it out. Find the holes, kind of.
0: We caught. We. It wasn't like we didn't perform. We performed at UCLA. There were like three people there. People were like, Which, what band is this?" Like, what well, we didn't even have any EP out. We had nothing. I think that's the other quality,
2: though. As you're saying it, you just tapped on it to me. Is are you okay? Like first question, like do you like camping? And like how are you with like public <laughs> humiliation? Like are you okay really eating some humble pie? Cuz I'll tell you like some of the things I've done in Japan it's like you there's no room to try to be cool here. This might hurt your feelings a little bit. Yes. But let's 100%. Get through it together. And so that stamina or that alligator skin should just be like there's three people in the audience. But we are going to make this a party for them. We're is, make I it think. Work. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: yeah. It's the best party these three people have like, ever being... been to.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. I'm gonna make I'm gonna force you to have a good time. Totally. But also I think part of that is just being over overall, I think the the overarching theme here is just being fearless. You cannot have fear. You cannot like you you have to you have to have blind faith that what you're doing is going to eventually work out, and whatever it takes to get to that moment, like you're gonna do.
1: Carly, you had a strong reaction. What do you where, where were you gonna go with that? You had a you had a retort.
2: I think I mean I think innately I'm a little bit of a scaredy cat, but I do feel like whatever energy that it has when you okay, the best thing I can compare it to is when you when you have a a person in mind uh you okay. know and you're like that for me it would be like that man is attractive even if i get shot down or whatever that move in between making a move i find is a turn on it, it, it excites me to be like yes, i'm going to be brave and see what happens in this move and i mean i haven't always been that way but as I've gotten older, there's more confidence of just being like, I'm gonna... And I think that's what the offering of being on stage I would relate to, is that feeling of like, there's a thrill in putting myself out there, we'll see how it lands, you know?
1: That's kind of what I was talking about earlier, is that thrill of like, I want to show I want to show them, I want to see if I can do this, like that chase is a thrill, but everybody kind of looks at it differently. I mean, we're all kind of saying the same things in different ways like, because there is a level, I mean, it's semantics there's a level of quote, like bunny bunny quotes like fearlessness in that like the the not being necessarily scared by the outcome but drawn to the adventure of there being an uncertain outcome that you may be able to influence with your wiles Like that's like a fun. And if
2: I think about it, you just said the exact mission statement of the energy I want to have for releasing any piece of music anywhere in my life of like, I'm excited for the offering, no expectation on what happens, but like confident about that part of it is I think the energy that I'm always looking to lead with at this point, you know,
1: I mean, that shows in your work, Carly fucking bravo. It really
0: does. It really does. Yeah, man.
1: What an inspiring conversation. This is great. This is awesome. Um, (laughs) I I, I wish I got to see you in Cinderella. You you, you went, I think, after my my homegirl, Laura, right? Oh,
0: my
2: God. Yes. Talk about, like, an intimidating follow-up act. I show up after, like, the princess of all princesses who's actually... Yeah,
1: Laura Osnes, Esty, is, like, (gasps) an actual Disney princess. She's just, like, this Broadway, like, just legit, like, Broadway darling. I love this girl and uh yeah and in, took and out in real
2: life too in real life too like i thought oh man she kind of was one of the originators of this version of the thing is this going to be like threatening in any way i knew i was threatened but is she going to be welcoming or what and it was like i think day one she wrapped me in a little pumpkin and was like my new prince like they like the exact type Aww. of, um, you know, just was that the Way debut,
1: the official Broadway debut?
2: Um, and no, I went to see her play before I took on my debut. She just so- was sort of uh, showing me her room, which would eventually be my. No, I meant chicken. for
1: for you. Was it your your official Broadway debut? Oh hell yes, like, Did yes.
2: You? No, I yeah yeah. I was like, I got a call, conveniently timed right around, um, like post common maybe post some singles post a little hustle and some confusion in my own life of like what kind of pop music do I want to make yet because even with Kiss I wasn't sure I had achieved that yet and so I had gone to my team being like I need a break I'm kind of sick of hearing call me on the radio myself so I can only imagine how other people feel let me go like recalibrate figure out what I'm going to do and then I got a call and someone was like would you like to be considered for Broadway and I was like that sounds like the vacation i
1: need the work vacation the work vacation i need
2: and it's like talk about like i won't say it brings you to the ground but talk about a humbling experience for go do a broadway show like you are like this is where you stand and this is when you say the thing and there's expectations and I thought it was like mentally so healthy for me because I couldn't have gone from like a hundred of adrenaline and touring to nothing. Like I kind of needed a gentle balance and a job and a focus, and it was it was so lovely. The people, like Andy Einhorn, the musical director, still one of my Andy greatest is like friends.
1: A- Really, yes! Andy is a fucking a super homie, dude. I love Andy Einhorn. I that motherfucker so. is very special. He is. I love that <laughs> dude. He, he
2: is. And I mean, even in my audition, I was very straightforward with them. We were singing the songs, and I'm like, "So Cinderella's kind of a ha- soprano," and they're like, "Yeah," and I'm like yeah, so I don't think I'm going to get this because I can't really sing that high. And they That's transposed high. the entire musical so I could sing it. And I was like, okay. Amazing. You. That's amazing. So, Oh my God. Yeah, but I was very aware. I was coming in from a world that wasn't to do with this. And I think everyone was like, just... They could have had two different energies, but the team that I landed with were really gracious and excited about, like, this is a fun bridge of the pop world and our world. We don't want you to come in here and try to do musical theater. We want you to, like, have your spin on it. It was for, like, a... Well, it was supposed to be a four-month thing, and then they, they caught me on the right day where I was having a good time. Like, four more months? And I was like, yes! Yes, I will do four more months. Oh, my God. You for eight to- months. I did. eight-month run on Broadway.
1: That's a feather in your cat, man. That's pretty big.
2: I mean, but I will say that that's when I started, I think, in the last four three or four months of being on on, um, on stage with such repetition and as I mentioned earlier, not really good with a routine every day, like missing my right, spontaneity, right. missing like kind of being able to spin when I feel like spinning or wear a different outfit. I started to really see the, the value of what I had with my own show and and how much I I craved that. And that's when I started actually so much Rodgers and Hammerstein that all of a sudden it was like, I just wanted to listen to anything with different rhythms So I was going for like Prince. I was going for some 80s. And that's what really sparked the, the beginning of writing Emotion was like a rebellion from like these really. Like, it was
1: Rodgers and Hammerstein overload? Yeah.
2: A little like, bit. I I've had
0: enough.
1: I mean, that's the natural way of things. I love it, pop. That's a fucking Roger Hammers. I mean, that's that. The, 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 if anything, this is talking about the the CD binder that you were talking about earlier of having all these different great pieces of music and like wanting to kind of ping back and forth between them. I think it's so great that you did it for four months, man. I always say like the best thing about doing a Broadway show is also one of the most difficult things about doing a Broadway show, especially if you are a touring musician or an actor on like a TV show or something. The best thing is that you have the same thing every day to rely on. The worst thing True. is that you have the same thing every day to 100%. rely on. 100%. So it can be really great when you're like, okay, I can wake up at, like, fucking 1 p.m. <laughs> and, like, and right. like, just be a fart all day and then do this one thing that I can rely on. That's great for the first, like you said, four months. And then you go, wait, I need some other varietal. Like, when you're on a TV show for six years, what you wouldn't do for just having a schedule, you know, that you can rely right. on. So. give give and take you're lucky that you get to kind of do both and
2: i mean i my fondest memories of that whole experience are like not the things that i'm supposed to think were fun like what i would call like the bloopers and i can remember my favorite quote i think of andy is like carly there are no bloopers in broadway those are mistakes and i was like he's like there's like a blooper reel at the end that we get to all laugh at and i'm like I know, I know,
0: I know. Tomato, tomato, That's tomato, funny. tomato. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, one particular, the opening night thing, and I think you'll understand having like how the stage works. Like, You don't really get to be in your full dress with all the props, with all the everything, until literally the night of opening because it's such an expensive endeavor to do and to rent out all right. these things. So it was my first time with like the 17-pound ball gown dress, and we were just practicing the quick run Ooh. of running down the steps, placing the slipper on the X when it hit the note, you know, all time to a T. And Laura had kindly shown me that she, like, tucked it in between her two toes and ran just on her two toes and left it. So I was trying to reenact what she had said but with no actual time to practice it with the weighted dress. And um, I was very nervous because it was opening night, but this was, like, the matinee rehearsal, uh, dress rehearsal. Right. And I ran down the steps and I put it on the X. And I'm like, I did good. And then, like, I, like out of the corner of my eye started to see what I thought was like a bird and I guess instead of placing the shoe I had kicked it into the imaginary audience yeah and then I don't know if you've ever done one of those things where you are laughing so hysterically that you can't yes. stop because you're just so nervous, so nervous. 100%. And I remember saying to Andy, it's like, oh my god, has that ever happened before?" And he's like, "No, that can't happen. That's just never allowed to happen." But anyways, that was my introduction into Broadway. That's was, a
1: sweet moment. That's so that's great. Re-
0: oh my god, what I would have given yeah, to Broadway, see baby. you
1: on Broadway.
0: I would have. G- yeah, I would, would give a fun. lot. Truly, it was a beautiful oh, production it.
1: too. Yeah. It'll get back to it, guys. We'll get back to it soon enough.
0: We'll get back to it.
1: I feel like we're already at the hour mark here, Carly. Um, this
2: was so fun, you guys. Thank you yeah,
1: for Yeah, thank you so much. Maybe. So many beautiful, inspiring words. Thank you for joining us. I mean, you really do fit the bill as as far as somebody that kind of goes in between a lot of stuff.
0: I want us all to hang. We'll figure out. We'll I know, we're all in Los Angeles. That. I thought you were going to say, should we all do a Broadway show together? And I was like,
1: yes, we should. <laughs> yes, let's <laughs> yes, do it. Should. I'll get, I'll get okay. cooking right now, cool, guys. Cool, cool, I'll call cool, Andy cool, Einhorn. Cool, 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 cool. Thank you so much, Carly. We'll talk offline where we can make devious plans. Yeah, we'll make it happen. I love
0: you so much. Thank you so much, Carly.